Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cheryl Lynn brings us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. Got to be real. Always appropriate bumper music for Mark Stein. Got to be real. Now, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, he is the star of stage and screen, the star of recordings in seven continents across the earth. He's the best-known media figure in the Commonwealth of the Queen, and he's our very own undocumented anchorman. I give you the one and only Mark Stein. Welcome. Oh, I I was enjoying that that fantastic horn section and your words the whatever you were saying the uh, the the most famous man in Her Majesty's Commonwealth you should have been saying that over that fantastically tight horn section that would have sounded great hit that, uh, hey Rich hit it hit Cheryl in again please. Yes. Mark Stein. The most popular media figure in the Commonwealth. And there we go. Yeah, I, I, I think for Christmas, I'm just going to give myself a CD of you voicing over the bumper music <laughs> introducing me. That's, that's the only music I need. <laughs> Mark, what a week this has been. Mark, you have to tell me, what drives liberal compassion? Please explain liberal compassion to me. The reason I'm asking you to do that is because I liberals tell us that they're the most compassionate people in the world. And we conservatives, we people who actually believe in constitutions and silly things like that, why we're soulless beings. And here we are in Boston, Baskin, a mm. patient has been removed from the heart transplant list. According to this guy's father, he is truly fighting for his life. He's in bad shape. He's on the heart transplant list. And they kicked him off because he wouldn't get vaccinated. Yeah, this is is extraordinary to me. Um, This is what people, at the time of Obamacare, people used to say, this is what happens under socialized government health care systems, that if you don't live your life uh, the way uh, they want you to, then they won't treat you. So if you're a smoker, I think this was in Manchester, England at one point, they wouldn't, tre- they wouldn't treat you for heart disease because there was no point. You were a smoker, so you're just going to die anyway. Uh, likewise, and again, it's all, it's very selective. It's they, when it gets to anything complicated or infringing on liberals version of designated victim groups, then they don't go anywhere near it. Uh, but they but they expect you to live your life according to the way the government health care system has. This country supposedly has a private health care system. And yet you now have doctors 
essentially breaking their Hippocratic oaths uh, because of and and in, you can't even make a utilitarian argument for it because whether or not you've got the vaccine, you've been triple boost. I mean, there's some surveys that show if you've had the triple shot, the third jab, you're actually more likely to get the Omicron. So so it, the vaccine, there isn't even a rational argument about other than, other than abase yourself before rule by experts. And I think this is a very dangerous, I think this is a very, very dangerous thing to be saying that uh, personal medical decisions, if you make a personal medical decision and the doctor uh, doesn't happen to agree with it, even though it's got nothing to do with why you're in the hospital, uh, we're going to pull the plug on you. I think this is at Brigham and Women's Hospital. That's a Harvard teaching facility. And again, these people are supposed to be, they're supposed to be the people that study medical ethics. These are the people that are also the, the, the people that lead the way when it comes to compassion and caring, especially for the little guy. No, now, well, this, the, yeah. the, 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 there's no there's no point. You're thinking too logically. Um, I was I was talking to Naomi Wolf uh, yesterday, uh, earlier this week, and she's someone who is a liberal feminist who happens to be against all these COVID things. And, and she suddenly realized that all her liberal feminist friends whose rationale for abortion is that the state can't tell you what to do with your own body, keep your rosaries off the ovaries and all the rest of it, are in fact all demanding that, well, keep, your, keep the government off my body, but that guy over there, the government should get into his body, jab him twice in the arm for the, for, with the Pfizer, and then give him a booster shot every three months whether he wants it or not. And, and it's, it's a basic medical ethics thing. In fact, it's the Nuremberg Code that everyone goes on about, and people think, oh, I might Google it, but it's only going to be boring. It, it won't take long because it's actually there in the first sentence that, that, all, that uh, the consent of the patient has to be required. So this idea that you're now uh, saying to people uh, you can't actually partake in normal life unless you put this thing in your arm is is uh, is a te- but to go back to your broader point James you know the reason the left is not compassionate because it's true for the covid but it's also true for these awful stories of crime in new york is they care for they care about ideology compassion is an ideology to them so individual human beings hither and yon mean nothing to them the fact that uh, the fact that you have an ideology of compassion is more important than the fact that your compassion causes poor people in rough neighborhoods to be preyed on, to be robbed, to be mugged, to be stabbed. doesn't matter because you have the ideology of compassion. And so it's this, exactly the same thing as communism. When you get into a discussion with, well, of course, yes, it failed in uh, it failed in the Soviet Union and it failed in uh, China. But you know, real communism has never been tried, and that's oh. how they feel about compassion. Their compassion leads to huge numbers of dead people, uh, huge numbers of impoverished people, huge people who don't get to lead their lives to their fullest potential. But that's it doesn't matter because the ideology of compassion is still so pure and beautiful. Now, the Supreme Court, Mark, on Monday, as you know, agreed to hear two cases challenging 
affirmative action, Harvard University of North Carolina. This could actually, depending on how they rule, make the 14th Amendment mean something again, that they're supposed to be equal, neutral treatment of citizens from the government. You're not supposed to single someone out based on their race or based on gender or anything like that. Um, and, and, and so I want to ask you that in combination, the liberals already have their panties in a bunch because they think Roe v. Wade is, is just about done. Now, if you put together this case with affirmative action and Roe v. Wade, let's say the decisions on these, on these two cases come down where liberals don't like it. What do you, what do you think the ramifications are for the country? Do you think that liberals are just going to go quietly away into the night? Or will there be another 30, 40, 50-year battle to reinstate both of these? No, I, I think, well, I don't like to look 30 or 40 years ahead because, you know, who, who knows what America is going to be looking like by that stage. I mean, everything's up for grabs. But they won't, they're not going to let that go easily. And... That in itself will condition the way these fellas approach it. John Roberts' whole view of the Supreme Court is that, in a sense, he wants, he's checked the no publicity box. He wants it in the witness protection program. <laughs> uh, that he doesn't want to say or do anything that is going to be so startling uh, that people start turning up uh, outside the doors of the homes of these nine guys, and he's very he's very concerned about that. So John Roberts' thing on both these issues will be trying to figure out a way to torture the language uh, so that he can keep Roe versus Wade, or maybe shrink it just a little. Uh, likewise with the affirmative action, just shrink it just a little, write it in legally so no one quite understands how it's been shrunk, and then figure out whether it's uh, Gorsuch or Comey, Barrett or Kavanaugh that he has to persuade to come over with him. And that's his, that's his way of thinking on these things. The, the affirmative action thing I find just... I, you know, Asian Americans are the most discriminated against. Yes. In the... My kids... Used to do this thing called mathletes, where you compete uh, with your grade school on four-man math teams. And my kids, when they were whatever they were, eight, nine, ten, understood <laughs> that how the championship works out, the New Hampshire mathletes championship, is according to how many. Asians are on the other guy's team. <laughs> so, you know, there was a one fancy private school where all the members were Asian and the teacher was Asian. And so they said, these are nine-year-old, my nine-year-old boys. They said, oh, yeah, so that team's going to win. And then there's, <laughs> there's broken down loser school uh, up in the hills somewhere where it's just the same 12 families who've been providing the grade school children for 200 years. And, uh, and they've got no Asians. And my kids figured out, well, because our school, someone had adopted an Asian. So <laughs> they would come. To, and these, this is how this is how normal people talk about these things. So this is how my kids talk at this is how my kids talk at grade school. Uh, doing the odds on the mathletes thing, like, uh, you know, Damon Runyon, guys and dolls, figuring the odds on who's going to win. And, uh, 
and then they, uh, you know, what, what, what then happens? They go to Harvard and suddenly there are no Asians. Where did all the Asians go? They drop out of school? Wait. It's like, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's, and again, it's that liberal compassion thing. Oh, yes, we, uh, slavery was so bad. So that means that, uh, oh, somebody from the, the Pacific uh, Islanders, uh, someone from Micronesia, they, they didn't get here in time to be enslaved, but they still benefit from the affirmative action. But these other people... <laughs> <laughs> the guys we used to have uh, digging digging the uh, ra- the track bed for the for the uh, transcontinental railroad they were pretty good for that but we don't want them going to Harvard <laughs> that's <laughs> liberal thinking. <laughs> oh, last story, Mark. The actor Peter Dinklage is really ticked. <laughs> yes, uh, Disney has 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 decided. That uh, th- this woman that did uh, West Side Story, I don't know any of these people anyway, Rachel mm. Zegler or somebody and, mm. and somebody else, they're going to be, they're doing Snow White over again, okay? And Dinklage is losing his mind. He's saying that, you know, it, it makes no sense. You're progressive in one way, and you're still making that effing backward story about seven dwarves living in a cave together. What the F are you doing? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I probably shouldn't say this, actually, but a very famous theatrical producer... He used, he used to do a, a, an English Christmas panto just for sort of insiders every year. He'd invite people around, but it would have huge stars in it. And, and he did a remake of Snow White where the seven dwarves were living in a Manhattan bathhouse. And that, <laughs> and that oddly enough, that made more sense than the original seven dwarfs but but i take this guy's point but the fact is our our pop culture is completely exhausted so all we can do we're li- like all we can do is recycle disney is just recycling stuff it owns but it's saying oh yeah well we'll do snow white and the seven dwarves but uh, we'll make uh, snow white a muslima and the dwarves will be transgenders and all the rest of it and and it's it, all it's all it sums up is that we are creatively completely exhausted and all these this this idea of oh who's the next james bond going to be do you uh, do do you think he should be muslim do you think he should be transgender well wait a minute if you want a transgender secret agent why don't you actually create something of your own but they can't it's it's a complete it's completely and and the reason it happens is because we uniquely for the first time in human history we have corporate storytelling where characters, ah. characters are owned by Disney or they're owned by Warner Brothers or they're owned by Marvel Comics. So it's not the creative spark of an individual uh, author or creator. It's, it's basically uh, co- what you get when it's corporate storytelling. So actually, so actually, they—that's how they look at it. They look at it in, you know, like you might change the name of your soap powder or whatever. And the and the corporate storytelling has complete. I don't even know how people can bother following it because, uh, well, you know, what's oh, I like Spider Man. What, what do you mean by Spider? Was that the Hispanic Spider Man or the gay Spider Man? <laughs> I mean, why don't you why don't you get off your lazy, flabby Hollywood butts and actually do something new? Well, you know what? I don't know whether I will uh, ever see 
uh, the new version of uh, Snow White. And I assume that Mr. Dinklage doesn't want to roll as one of the uh, uh, seven, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what Disney actually... You know the Disney heir, um, uh, uh, Abigail... Uh, is that her name? Abigail Disney? She went on a tear the other day about how greedy Disney and all these other Hollywood companies are. Yeah, no, I think that's... I, well, that's the other thing. It's the idea of woke corporations ought to be a contradiction in terms. You know, why do you care what Disney's messages or Marvel Comics' messages or Warner Brothers' messages? I mean, because obviously these are the ultimate capitalists. Uh, but the only difference is it's not even an actual product. It's not even like getting a cheap T-shirt from China. It's getting 90 minutes of boring, woke, <laughs> non -inter I mean, the last... I don't even know about this remake. I saw a Snow White remake. It was called uh, a couple of years ago with my daughter. We were bored sniff. It was called <laughs> Snow White and the Huntsman. And, uh, mm. and and it was boring as hell. And as we came out of the theater, my daughter said, uh, what do you think of it? And uh, it was a, the joke was a little above her head. But I said, uh, Snow White and the Huntsman? I'd rather have seen Snow White and John Huntsman. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was running for president, I think, at the time. Right. And, uh, and, and I was... I, I, this, they've done... They're, they're remaking the remakes... Of the remakes, you know, and they can do it. I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see uh, a remake of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers in in uh, Top Hat, nineteen thirty three, but with all the dancing just done by computers. So oh you, well, yeah, sounds lovely to me. And you know, that so it's the equivalent of the CGI battle scene, but choreographed. Better. You know what's amazing, Mark? You bring up all these special effects movies, and I tell you, the last super, the last Marvel stuff that I saw, I was so bored by the end of the movies. To yeah. me, the stories were just so bad that it was just like, okay, this is all special effects, yeah. and it's the, and now the the special effects are recycling every one of these things. You get like the gold lantern magic thing that Doctor Strange has, and it's all over the place, and yeah. it's the same stuff over and over again. No, so. no, and and it goes on the forty minute CGI battle scene, and then the other thing I can't stand about these, you know, X Men thirty seven or whatever is <laughs> the plot gets super complicated. Like there's tons of it, but none of it means anything, and then at the end. <laughs> And then at the end, the Incredible Hulk rips a hole in the space-time continuum. So you go back to 1958, before any of them were born, and start all over again. <laughs> I, I don't know how people fall for that. I mean, if, I, if, I, if, if, if Shakespeare had ended Hamlet by doing that, people have said, well, I don't really get it. I've just wasted the last three hours following everything that's going on. And now it's gone back to before Hamlet was born. What's up with that? <laughs> Mark Stein, always a pleasure. We will look forward to hearing from you next Tuesday. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Talk to you then. <laughs> Mark Stein, ladies and gentlemen. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley on WABC. And we will be right back. Don't go away.